Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of EdTech Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. I'm glad you found us. With me today, an old friend and colleague from, from trade show floors and uh, ISTEs and bets of years past, Marcus Kingsley. Um, most, th- thanks, for, thanks for hopping on, Marcus. Of course, yeah, good to see you again. I think, uh, I think the last time we saw each other probably was actually, I think, bet 2020 in London or maybe even TCA afterwards, but that was probably the, the last in-person meeting we had. I, I think you were right because that was, uh, you know, and again, we're going to have to talk about the pandemic, even though I'm so sick of it. But it was there in the UK where I noticed people wearing masks uh, on the trade show floor. Um, and I am assuming they were from from Asia or from countries where have already been used to this sort of thing. Yeah. But lis- listening to BBC uh, and describing the city of Wuhan that I had never heard of before and describing 10 million people being shut down. And that's like when the brain started to the synapses started to explode, right? So, so here we are uh, a year and a half later. We're both in, in different spots. I want to start off by maybe you talking a little bit about uh, school status and your news and, and your new role and what um, what your company does. Yeah, sure. So I can give you a quick kind of cliff notes uh, description, elevated pitch of school status. So as you know, it's a relatively new, new role for myself from VP of Sales. Uh, based out of here in Atlanta. So think of school status as a, uh, it's a platform with three key components. So first and foremost, it's data analysis. Um, So you sort of think about districts now along with every other entity, they're collecting a wealth of information. Uh, And typically that information is kind of siloed in independent and isolated repositories and programs. And so what we do is that we extract those key metrics from those key data information points. Um, and such as your SIS, you know, your LMS, your um, state assessments, benchmarking programs, aggregate that data, uh, extract it, and then provide it on a single platform, in a single location. So it's far more accessible, more digestible for whichever educational stakeholder wants to use and access that data. And then from that same platform, we then pair that with our kind of real um, secret source, which is the parent-teacher communication tools. So uh, the ability for um, you know, to try and increase that level of parental engagement um, and using a, whether it's whether it's through email, phone, text, etc. Having that on the same platform as your data means that you can have far more meaningful data-informed conversations. Uh, I think we all probably recognise that one of the, the the greatest predictors of success for students is a level of parental engagement and involvement in that student's educational journey. So we, if we can increase that level of engagement and successful engagement, then I think that bodes well for the future. And at some point, we'll probably have to talk about the elements of COVID and how that's affected the kind of achievement gap and this big kind of generic term now we're all hearing about learning loss and its different inclinations. But um, And we found very much during COVID um, that um, ultimately people like to communicate. Um, we've, we look back on March of last year when the, the, the switch was flicked and schools took that decision to either go remote or hybrid or a mixture, et cetera. At that point, the communication flow across our platform increased exponentially by a factor of six. Mm. Um, so, and the, and the good thing from that is that it wasn't just during the pandemic, as now we kind of return to some sense of normality um, and schools get back to the more traditional instructional delivery models in person we find that they're still continuing to communicate. And so the takeaway for us is that if we can find the right medium to get that level of engagement, the right level of outreach by districts, parents will want to engage and communicate. 
Um, you know, I'm a parent. Um, I have two kids within a district. Um, and at times, I, I face a barrage of communications from the district. And let's, you know, let's be clear, districts the world over have done a fantastic job with the tools that they have to kind of manage this scenario where there was no game plan in place, obviously. And so they did what they could. And, and in most cases, it's been very successful and it's the best of a bad job almost. Um, but there are certainly some improvements. And as I said, as a parent, I receive a barrage of communications, uh, of which some is relevant, uh, but some of it is not as personalized or customized to my particular needs. Um, and so there's always that kind of risk of perhaps becoming slightly desensitized to the messages that I do receive from the school. And so I don't necessarily engage and, uh, and take those on board, which runs the risk then perhaps of me missing out on an important um, item or communication. So it's, it's about finding the right communication medium and reaching parents where they are. Yeah. One of the reasons I, I wanted to talk to you is because in some of my other conversations, um, there have been actual considerations of parents. Now, I've written about education technology for 15 years. The number of stories where I wrote about how parents can be involved in whatever that education technology solution, you know, one hand. Right. I mean, it just really was never in the conversation. It was about delivering data to superintendents yeah. and then it was about delivering it to uh, to the teacher uh, in certain ways. But never before really was it before that was in the conversation. And again, as a parent myself, I have spoken more to my kids, teachers via Zoom. Yeah. in the past 12 months than I have in the 12 years of schooling they've had. So there have been some real improvements and accelerations, I think, through the uses of these tools to, to bring the parents in. But again, you're right, a barrage of emails that aren't necessarily specifically tailored to me and each of my kids and in, in, in what they're doing, right? I mean, it's spam, right. basically. Yeah. Uh, so was that something that was part of school status's mission before the pandemic? Or is that something that they have adapted as going through and realizing that there's a need for this? Yeah, so school stats originally um, began with the data analysis portion to it. And I think in, in, in foresight, they realized, and, and ultimately the founders and the executive team here, they are previously in, in previous lives gone by, they were educators. So they've made a solution by educators for educators. So I think they also, as parents as well, they recognize that the one missing component, and look, there's lots of data analysis tools out there. Um, so, but there aren't many that combine that with the communication element. So it was a natural evolution to then add that kind of extra strand to the product. And fortuitously, uh, it happened. Um, it was already in, in place prior to the pandemic, but then we had some additional notification type solutions and tools as well during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's the third strand to the product is the, the notification side. We, we double down on the communication element. Um, and so we kind of allow, you know, why, why utilize separate tools for communications done en masse uh, or to large groups of students or, um, or um, parents or educational stakeholders. Let's do it from the same platform where the data is housed and where the one-to-one -one more direct communication is also housed. So right. there's two elements to the communication and then there's the data that goes with it. So that's, that's really the three strands um, to the platform. Well, now, I, but as I look back on those five stories over 15 years that involve <laughs> parents, yeah. um, they all involved probably the use of data and the parents' concerns over the use of data. I mean, data has very much been right. uh, a, a dirty word in a lot of education circles, right? And the uses of it uh, from not only, you know, so I think faculty were always like, 
I'm not an accountant. I don't need numbers. I'm an artist. I don't need right. the data. I know my kids, right? And then the parents have rightfully uh, privacy concerns over how you know, the data is being scraped or how it's being used. And a yeah. district signs up with Google and they say, oh, no, it's no problem. Now they're being fed advertising. So there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of murky waters around uh, the term data analytics in education. Talk a little bit about how uh, school status can kind of navigate those waters. Yeah, I mean, I think now increasingly there's a lot more legislation and safeguards in place to protect the level of uh, access for data. And when we're only accessing the data that's already in place and we are complementing the solutions and the safeguards that the district already has. I think more of a challenge is the communication side and quite often that's a personal conversation. And so there's concerns about well, who has access to that communication. Um, and the double-edged sword for us is whilst we're quite innovative in terms of we're recording and we're transcribing all of those outreach efforts and those communication threats and they're stored in a place and that's you know, they're stored on the platform and they're protected in that regard and of course you know, one of the elements is we have to do that because we want to ensure that if parents say I want to have a copy of all the transcripts and all the communications we have we can quickly and easily provide those um, so but it's all moderated in terms of the content we're making sure that it's appropriate uh, the safeguards in place in terms of teacher privacy so when they engage for a phone call for example um, we provisioning a unique telephone number so as far as the parents concerned this is the teacher's personal phone number but it is it's, it's a provision number that they then use and is then masked over the top of the, the teacher's phone number and that's then what's that's what's used for those um engagements thereafter in perpetuity with that particular uh, parent so you're right and data is always a bit of a dirty word and there's concerns there but it's it doesn't then mean that you remove um the need to use data and analyze it if it's done correctly. Um, and, and that's part of the problem, I think, from parents' perspective. They don't, because they've not had a personalized experience in the past, and they've not had customized type outreach that includes very pertinent data about their child's progress. They're still suspicious of it. I think once they become used to it um, and seeing the benefits and the value it brings and, and the proactive nature that you can apply in terms of very quickly recognizing students who are at risk. You know, I'm a parent, I want to know very quickly if there's an issue with my student, um, whether it's a disciplinary issue, whether it's a uh, infraction type or an absence trend, or it's just simply a downward trend and shift in my grade achievement and learning outcomes. I want to know that. And I think as a, as a fairly forward thinking individual, I recognize that in order to do that, there has to be some element of data being captured. Uh, I know it's being captured anyway, of course. So um, I just want to make sure it's being used in an appropriate way and there's appropriate safeguards in place. And within the platform, of course, with ours, it's all fully scoped. So depending on who's accessing that platform, what their authority is, uh, what students and classes they have access to, that will then mirror their level of accessibility and visibility on the platform. Gotcha. Can you give us some descriptions of the technology? It'll probably be easier to put up screenshots, but um, are parents getting a dashboard or are they getting a series? No, of so, like yes, so, so the dashboard really, the platform is for the educator side. So they have that internally. And really at the very heart of the program is, think of a baseball card for students. So every student has a baseball card and within that summary, it shows all their current level of uh, grade achievement and uh, educational outcomes. Uh, it's showing some of the non-academic outcomes in terms of their ADA and their, their absences, their infractions, um, any of those type of issues. Um, it's got teacher notes. Um, and then of course, it's also adding to that all the different um, successful and non-successful attempts at teacher outreach to those parents. So you've got a, a complete 
journey or transcript of that student's journey through the educational system whilst they're within that district. Gotcha. And so I think you know, the, the easiest way of using a practical example is this, if as a parent, I'm concerned that I've suddenly now realized that my child or student has a showing, showing a, a reduction in outcomes in terms of my grades are falling or the grades are falling. So I'm gonna ring, maybe ad hoc, ring speak to the teacher. I'm gonna to ring to maybe the principal or even the superintendent. When you're having that conversation, then, I think there's certain merit and value in that educational stakeholder having access to real-time metrics and data so that you can have an informed conversation. Otherwise, it then becomes a he said, she said type thing. My teacher's never reached out to my student and, and, and raised these issues. I've never had a chance to correct those issues. Yeah. If, we could, if we can point the system and say, well, well, actually, you know, we can see from here that there's been three attempts at outreach. We actually had a conversation with these two months ago talking about the uh, the, the absence issue. Um, and so it just adds a lot more power and weight. And I think it validates and helps uh, not only teach to be accountable, uh, but it helps also give reassurance to districts that teachers are doing whatever they can to help these students on their journey. And sometimes there isn't the, um, the acceptance and recognition from the parent side. So it's important to be able to, to I think, demonstrate that with data and with records um, to show that level of activity. And the, and the platform gives all the stakeholders kind of a, uh, a neutral, central uh, thing yeah. to refer to, right? So the, the, yeah, so every, every neutral stakeholder, and again, <clears throat> the platform is accessible only by the teacher or the educational institution, um, but the content can be provided to parents at their request. And that's, yeah. that's kind of some of the kind of data requirements and security requirements, um, but it, it's all fully scoped. So only the relevant people are accessing it, um, but it's showing, yeah, it's because it's hooking into these different isolated data points, it's just showing an aggregated and also a filtered version of that data. Mm. Um, you know, teachers don't have time to filter through and look at trends in historical events with their, with their students. And do they know that you know, a student, particular student is typically absent on a Monday or a Wednesday for a particular reason? Mm. Do, they know, do they know that there's an increasing level of absences from a certain geographical area um, and so on and so forth? Is it down to uh, maybe some other data sets in terms of ethnicity, sexes, age, et cetera? Um, all those elements and components that go in to help identify trends um, that very quickly identify at-risk students. And, and teachers, frankly, don't have the ability to do that. And during those conversations I just referred to in terms of a parent ringing a teacher or, or a headmaster, how on earth would they have access to that real-term information? They'd have to either put a request into the data management team to get the transcripts and to get some information back, or they'd have to visit to one, two, three, four different siloed information points in order to have a meaningful conversation. And yeah. quite often that doesn't happen. And so that conversation isn't meaningful. And you've now already created a barrier there where the parent feels disenfranchised and is not necessarily getting the level of personalized and customized support that they require. Um, and that kind of also then dovetails into another kind of more recent issue, and, and we'll, we'll talk about learning loss stuff, but there's the other issue from the district's perspective, which is you can actually use communication tools as a form of retention. One of the, one of the main problems that we're seeing, not problems, but one of the main shifts in the market is the growing prevalence of charter schools, whether they're bricks and mortar, whether they are, uh, whether they're virtual. Yeah. Um, and parents, I think, have this perception that charter schools may or may not, and I don't really have an opinion either way, but provide some level of more customized, personalized type experience. 
So I think if you can increase the parental engagement tools within the public sector, public school sector, and show that, as you know, we, we can equally match that in terms of the personalized type outreach that we're performing, then I think it also helps from a, a customer, a, a parent or a student retention policy. Mm. And of course, that's got very clear fiscal ramifications for a district whose funding is based on that. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about the synchronous uh, tools. You mentioned that you had the, the phone call set up. Is there other uh, Zoom-like uh, technologies or is, is Zoom tied yeah. in? Or? The Zoom is on the horizon. So that's currently uh, the video side is something that we're putting in place. Um, a lot of the challenge for us is, you know, we want to remove barriers to adoption by parents. And, and some of the historical problems is that there's an assumption that everyone has the latest and greatest technology. You, know, you and I are lucky, we've probably got the latest smartphone. I can install a whole range of apps on it. Um, I can access my email at will whenever I want to. But there's a large population, a slice of the population who don't have that luxury. Uh, they're using flip phones. They don't have access to internet uh, regularly. Right. And so we want to make sure that we're offering, you know, a range of tools and then we'll analyze the success of those tools and then that we can focus. And so within the platform, number one, you can, you know, you can have a number of preferred contacts. So there's particular messaging you want to go to, maybe a father, you can even add a doctor and those kind of elements in there. We can select the preferred language of the recipient. So automatically that message going out will be transcribed and translated. And then when it's received back from the recipient, it's automatically translated back into our system for the teacher to read and then to record. Um, and of course, you know, we offer up to a hundred different languages. I mean, at the moment for me, when I receive messages, they're typically in English and Spanish, um, but Again, that comes down to the customization and localization of districts and their ability to do that. Um, the next, uh, the next uh, evolution, of course, yes, is video. You know, think of the parent-teacher conferences. I think now with COVID, it'll never be the same again. And equally, it recognizes that certain areas of segments of the student population are from backgrounds, uh, whether it's due to um, socioeconomically disadvantaged backgrounds or, or cultural elements that perhaps have led, you know, research suggests that there aren't as many or as much motivation to attend in-person parent-teacher conferences. Yeah. You know, many, many parents are working double shifts. They can't come at certain times of the day to do this. So let's, again, take the communication out to where they are, wherever, wherever they are. Yeah. And so the next version will be the the... Um, the the browser-based video experience. So again, removing the need to download lots of additional apps and requirements, but simply have a very easy point and click, attend the session and away we go. Yeah, but, but even underneath that, in, in a lot of the conversations I've had with um, social emotional learning companies and telehealth companies uh, and their use of these tools, there's, there's a, there is a strange intimacy in having a conversation this way that removes a lot of power dynamics especially when it comes to schools, you know, and even as myself, I'm more comfortable speaking with my kids counselors or uh, as opposed to being shoved in a desk in a fifth grade classroom <laughs> in the yeah. back waiting in line to speak to the student. And then from the teacher end of things, you know, it's much easier to manage a large number. And that brings in the digital equity, which you kind of talked about a little bit, but right. for a lot of public schools that you know, you have a guidance counselor who can only see, physically see eight students a day, and they might be able to double it using yeah. this, this, this sort of tool, right? Absolutely, yeah. So I know the, uh, I knew that the toughest part of this conversation was to, uh, to, to wind it down, but uh, I want to get your thoughts on, get some horizon thoughts for you, both only, not only for school status, but in terms of the evolution of the technologies that we've just discussed in general. Well, there, there's been an acceleration, right? Does that acceleration continue? 
do we snap back to whatever the new normal? You know, pick your, pick your catchphrase, pick, pick your cliche. Uh, yeah. But what, what what's it look like out there for you? Um, I think I think the the focus on technology will only obviously increase as we move forward. There is now a new norm, and it's a terrible phrase to use, but it is what it is, and that's I think how we move forward. We're going to adopt adopt and recognise the benefits of of technology, and frankly, it's because of the emphasis that's been placed by the government, of course, with all the latest rounds of funding that have been very heavily skewed towards adopting certain technologies. One of those, particularly that fits within our warehouse, of course, is the significant emphasis on the learning loss term, which of course is that broad and somewhat divisive type terminology that there is in place but it's whether the whether you're on board or not on board with that the, the reality is there is going to be an achievement gap based on the period that we've just experienced with covid um you know i think they sort of suggest that um you know, typical students have lost an average of um three months of reading um and six months of math um and then when you correlate to a lot a significant loss of um instructional time there's actually longer term implications in terms of their earning potential in their careers moving forward um so there's a very and, and because of that i think the government and it's maybe in its wisdom which is an unusual thing to say but they have identified that and they've put a significant fiscal windfall shall we say into that providing it finds itself to where it needs to go uh, and, it, and it filters down um and so for us that's very much the focus in terms of in a more immediate term and for the next six to 12 months is a critical period to address that achievement gap and the learning loss to recover students who have been lost frankly and you do that by a combination of data we're not suggesting how you do it with learning loss of course educators quite rightly are the best informed and best experienced to come up with remedial plans um, but in order to get those plans you have to first be able to identify who are the most at risk who's the most vulnerable who's been affected the most by this gap in learning and frankly, you do that through data. Uh, I know there's no state assessment information, of course, from last year, but you can use historical assessment data. You can use formative assessment um, data. You can use you know, a whole range of different data sets that will give you some idea of where students were and where they are now. And then that can help you highlight very quickly those students who are most at risk. And then you then use the communication outreach because I think now more than ever, and probably will be the case in perpetuity, the relationship between the school districts and the parents is going to be a collaborative partnership, more so than have ever been before. And so if you can engage those parents by using the communication tools that you know, we're suggesting to get that outreach going, they're the ones who are going to be able to most quickly and successfully help address that learning loss and that achievement gap. Um, and so I think that's very much the focus for the next six to 12 months. If we can recover from that, then I hope that we then return to some sense of normality, but it, the landscape in schools and districts will never look the same again. Yeah. Uh, and for good and for bad ways, you know, right. I, um, you know, there's a lot of power and benefits with having technology and increasing level of technology and recognizing that, you know, time is, is short for people and they don't have the ability to manually visit schools and have that level of engagement. And so if we can just allow educators to work more efficiently, which means having easy access to data and tools, then that can only be reflected in the quality of instruction delivered. And I absolutely agree with what you said at the beginning when you spoke about um, the parent engagement and the increase of parent engagement can be nothing but a good thing, right? So even though parents who originally thought they were engaged are now ultra engaged, those who weren't engaged were forced to engage and yeah, now I mean, un understand why it's important for them to be part of the conversation. 
It is. And, and sometimes, you know, districts look at it and think, well, we have some parental engagement now and there are some very powerful and vocal parents who are involved, etc. But they're not the ones you're targeting because typically they don't come from a segment of the population who are suffering the most and have been, frankly, dealt a bad hand in terms of the digital divide and, and those kind of inequalities. It's the ones who don't engage. They're the ones that we really need to target and try to get them on board. And so you just have to keep on removing those barriers to adoption and those barriers to engaging. That's where we focus on um, and to make sure that they're not left behind. I think I have um, a new trademark I got to uh, go after. Uh, a parental agency, right? We have student agency, a teacher agency. <laughs> Quickly, let's just let's get, get it. Be, yeah, be, before I post this, I'll make sure that you, you get a cut. Don't worry. Okay, that's well, good. Marcus, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, we, we hit a lot, a lot of points here and uh, I'm, I'll be sure to follow up with you hopefully in person uh, at, a, at a trade show uh, sometime in the near future. Definitely. Thanks for your time, Kevin. Appreciate right. it. Thanks. And thanks, everybody, for watching. And be sure to uh, click around and find another episode of EdTech Today soon.